Welcome to the Crone's Porch Magic Witchcraft and a Liminal Approach to Magical Faith. This is your grandmother's podcast. Woo! This is our October episode, so content warning, the usual content warnings for the use of colorful language, general curmudgeonry. Again, solidly hopeful spin this season, so it's still here, but, you know, general content warnings this episode again is our october episode we're talking morals and values how our pagan faiths have impacted our morals and values how we live out our morals and values and a little bit of how we work through our morals and values with others so it's a morally good episode so uh check it out crown's porch right now hi Kyle. hi ian how are you? It feels like it's been forever. I know our listeners haven't gotten an interruption because they got episodes still once a month, but we recorded the September episode in August, so it's been a while since we've been on the pod together. I know. Um, yeah, I, I've been I've been pretty good. I was pretty busy between like work and stuff mm-hmm. here and prepping for a wedding and all that stuff. Woo! Yeah, I've been busy too. It's LGBTQ History Month, so you know, programs oh, yeah. every other day and everybody wanting everything at every moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the usual, but you know, semi-fulfilling. How how has the fall transition been? What's fall like in Pennsylvania? It's been very pretty. Um it's been very pretty. Sorry. I'm being <laughs> distracted. Um uh it's the, the colors are not as nice here as they are in New England or Pennsylvania or um, New York. Oh, really? Yeah, they're a lot more muted. Oh, um, okay. Nice. The weather feels nice. I'm glad that it's not hot all the time anymore. That's been nice. Our weather has been all over the place. In New England, falls are very beautiful. I got to you know see more of it this year since I wasn't new because I was new in New England last year, but. Uh, our weather's been all over the place. It's been rainy, 70s, 50s, uh, bright, sunny, super dark, cloudy, uh, sometimes all on the same day. Fun. <laughs> Makes it hard to dress in the morning, but that's besides the point. Uh, what's today's episode about, Colin? Uh, today, we're going to talk about morals and morality and values um, and from a pagan perspective, from our pagan perspective specifically. From our yes, from our pagan perspective, <laughs> we do not speak for, we do not speak for the trees. We're not the Lorax. Although it'd be fun to be the Lorax and speak for the trees. I feel like it'd just be depressing to be the Lorax and speak for the trees. True, true that. All right, uh, <laughs> I actually don't know where to start this conversation. Honestly, I mean, do I you have a I'll, spot? <laughs> yeah, I'll ask what are the basic, like, moral values that um you would say are are the the forefront of your 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 pagan morality like what, <sighs> what values are the most important i think what sticks out to me that i first think of is for some reason do no harm i think that's honestly that came out of that comes out of uh kind of a combination of that's almost in every you know, Wiccan or pagan book that you would buy is something about do no harm. You know, the Wiccans have threefold yeah. law and other things. So I feel like I, I have been impressioned upon to always have a value of do no harm. That's like the first one. Okay. How about you? First one for me, I think, would be 
the idea of sacred hospitality, um, mm. which comes from like the very northern European style paganism, like the idea that there there's a sacred hospitality that must be maintained be it between like gods and humans or other humans and other humans or humans and the good people, et cetera, um, of like, if someone comes in peace, you treat them with like, human dignity. Um, you, you offer, you know, you, you like, you know, if someone comes into your house, you offer them a drink and something to eat and mm-hmm. offer them peace for peace. Um, and there's mutual respect, but also that's a two-sided situation where like mm. you have to uphold that respect, but so do they. Like it's a contract between people. So rather than it being like self-sacrifice, it's more along the lines of like mutual social bonds. And so sacred hospitality is probably the most important mm. um, because it also decenters like my feelings about everything and makes it more about like what is the mutual, what is the mutual need. But yeah. also on the, with the idea that it's not about, it, it's about everyone involved, not just about like, oh, this, this one person or this other person or that sort of thing. No, that makes a lot of sense. That honestly, because I think my second one is going to sound weird. <laughs> uh, is like, I don't, not family honor, but kind of family and prosperity. And I think that comes from, for me, uh, you know, it's not a big pantheon that I work with, but like the Norse pantheon has like a family above all else type vibe to it. Uh, and so does even the Slavic pantheon has a, a family, a family vibe to it. So I, ha- I have this kind of area layer of a similar thing of, you know, everybody in some way is family until proven to be a threat to the family. And then there's like honor in that some level of honor but the family vibe the fact that like uh, all the the gods that we work with that i work with are all family based in some way they might betray each other but that's an inner family matter (laughs) when someone comes and threatens the family it's game on right no I, i agree with you on that one um I'm trying to think of other beauty specifically. Honor is important. Like yeah. the idea that you, you you try to keep your word as much as as, as oh yeah. Um, oh definitely. Be reliable and available, but set boundaries. Um, <laughs> I think that all is set that's all within honor. Um and you know, also to sort of fact part of honor for me is also being willing to um like fact check your thoughts. Or, mm-hmm. well less thoughts more like what you do like if you have an opinion of someone and then you know you're like oh this person is so annoying or whatever but they do good for the community and they're not yep. like toxic or hurtful then it is honorable to say well my personal feelings are less important than the well-being of the community so I'm just going to either tolerate it or try to learn to to understand and get better about it but like not make my personal feelings about someone or something the the priority of the as you said the family the whatever grouping that may be for you oh definitely i i try i don't know how to always explain this to other people but the whole my word is my bond thing i feel has a deeper meaning to me Mm -hmm. like it truly is my word is my bond you know we say when we do ritual or when we do spell work or we're doing spell work your word is quite literally your bond when you say so mote it be or blessed be or whatever 
words you say, they quite literally are your bond. So when I tell people my word is my bond, I don't know how to tell them that it's like, no, truly, it's not just like a phrasing. I'm not just trying to be like, I keep my promises. Truly, my word is my bond. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And I try to keep up with that, too. I mean, obviously, there's always mistakes to be made. But like striving for it, working towards it is important. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean. Word is my bond is like, I'll, I'll get it done. Maybe not the always the right way, but I will follow through on Absolutely. my promises. I'm trying to think of other values that I keep, especially the fact that I try to live both an integrated lifestyle, like try to keep my faith at the forefront. If I'm going to do stuff, I'm going to do stuff and it's going to involve layers of what I do. And the fact that my job isn't so much faith bound. I'm trying to think of things that are like uniquely my pagan value versus things that have like integrated themselves into other parts of my life. I mean, that is a good segue. We can say we're living, you know, in a in a moment where like the questioning of or the trying to figure out what is our society's morality. We've got yeah. an extreme like conservative fascist version of morality that is often really biased towards like a really extreme christian side but then we also have a really like reactionary left-leaning like social justice but toxic side too so where does like our personal (sighs) faith morality come into oh yeah i guess even so like going back to like a value that i hold as family above all else like that I because that like in my work right now it, it constantly comes out of I find myself oh, sometimes feeling angry or disappointed or even just like heightened emotional states around everything that, that involves community like I, I specifically work with LGBTQ communities uh, at colleges so those things about when we hold an event like I feel extra sensitive I'll put it around attendance at queer events or uh, supportive collaborations at queer events uh, because that's such a deep value to me of community above all else that when the community puts out a call whether it's a please come to this event like especially around fundraising events uh, and nobody does that feels extra hurtful not just uh oh people were busy and i get it they have other things to do but like oh people weren't prioritizing community and that's such a deep value to me and that partially comes out of uh queer stuff but i think that was then reinforced and almost set in stone (laughs) as a joke set in stone uh because of our uh because of my pagan faith of like your word is your bond community above all else when you like make a commitment to people you aren't just like uh saying like yeah i'll come if i can it's uh like you show up right and i agree with you for me the emphasis is less on queer community and more on pagan community but yeah i feel the same way um with that it's really hard to do that and from the <laughs> and i think that my pagan view my like since that's so central view on morality does often sort of not match the 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 value systems of those around me. Like I definitely mm. see that at work. Um, and that goes for like both like social justice ideology, you know, normative social justice ideology and like other religious or con- like very, or even like, you know, conservative and, and radical fascist type. 
moralities that don't fit mine. True. Very much. I, I also, yeah, I think I also experienced that. I have this thing where I have a, I wouldn't say this is a value. I think this is a worldview that I have because I don't think it's something that I value, but I very much have a, uh, what would it be? A multiplicity, a multiplicity worldview. That's not the right word, but that, yeah, but I see the world as multiple realities all existing at the same time. And I guess it's a value in the sense of, I think there's, I have a deep value of respect for all, you know, sometimes that's a struggle and I have to hold myself to my own value. Sometimes they're not perfect. Um, but I try to value everyone's reality or everyone's, uh, understanding of their own reality. And that sometimes doesn't match but like you were saying with, the uh, maybe a social justice worldview that other people have, I can pretty much be like, yes, unless your your worldview or your reality that you're living in is causing harm to me or harm to my community, or, you know, barking up the wrong tree i'm pretty okay with letting people live their life however they want to live it and that doesn't always square with other people who uh have a much more black and white sense of justice or sense of morality where they're like but they're the thing i don't agree with and so i don't want them to be able to live that way and i'm like that doesn't i don't think that squares that feels wrong i think yeah that multiple you i think you named it well the multiplicity of like there's no universal truth. There's no yeah. right way. There's like nothing inherently like good or bad about any one thing. It's about how we construct that sort of thing. Yeah. Which is a very pagan thing, I think, to like non-dualistic way of viewing it. And also that I, I think that idea too, for me at least, of like the approach to like justice and that sort of thing. I was in a um, training slash conversation session thing and one of the things that the presenter was making us do was like these forgiveness exercises and I was rankling at them and I could not figure out why until I stepped back and thought oh because this is like a Christian format of how forgiveness and and such works like for me from a pagan perspective like I, I don't need to learn this one specific way to apologize or I don't need to apologize for some like basically for my for my being for some sort of trespass like it's something we work out between us the words I'm sorry or I apologize or I forgive you may never be exchanged it's about the frith the bond between people or group that needs to be like taken care of so um in some cases that may need like formal apology and sometimes that may not be productive or what someone wants. Sometimes forgiveness isn't even necessary, but like just agreeing to like coexistence or, or mutual, like you stand over there, you stand over there. We're not going to fight each other. Sometimes that's just as good. Like this idea of like trying to return to a state of purity or good or whatever it doesn't exist. Like purity doesn't exist perfectness doesn't forget doesn't exist so my worldview is that there's no perfect morality and there's no like there's no like true justice there's only like the justice that aligns with this value set or this culture or whatever yes 100 percent. i even sometimes struggle and i again i don't know if this comes from a pagan mindset or if this comes from just like me as an individual uh very much in like a harm reductionist 
a thing of like i'm trying to stop the bad thing i like even asking like how like whenever i'm in trainings and someone's like you know how do i get uh x identity usually lgbtq to like trust me like what what's the secret sauce and i'm always like there is no answer and then i kind of feel like professional pressure of like i'm hired in this role i'm supposed to have answers and then i'm like but there are no answers but i was hired to create answers but even in creating answers that's setting my reality on a whole thing and then i'm just like this feels weird so i always usually fall back on the it's individual <laughs> you know not individual but it's uh it's personal it's it's that like i i think and even uh trying to get out of that question i usually try to bring it back to like people have and i guess maybe this is a moral or a value i really value personal interaction um i'm fine with zoom zoom is cool uh but i really value if we're gonna do like a peace and justice building or if we're gonna do uh mutual aid if we're gonna do even just community building or whatever we're doing that it really is like a face-to-face -face. none of this like yeah. we're trying to use a format here and a model there and like almost game the system by like creating the thing before ever talking about it. Cause I always get like faculty and staff are like, how do I be allies to LGBTQ people? Or like, what's the secret sauce? I'm like, it's no secret sauce. You actually have to like talk to those people and find out what they need in the moment they need it. Right. There's no like pre-answer to any of your, there's no, there's no future site, which for a person that does divination a lot, uh, it's funny to tell people. Yeah. No, I mean, me too, but that's kind of the complexity of fate. And the way that I see it, I think that it is, it's like, I don't know if it's just pay, just a pagan worldview or influenced or, or things in general. What that brings up for me is like the idea that like a lot of the morality, like you said, black and white, but also thinks in like a very global sense. And like, so you're taking on like the moral responsibility for a whole incredibly diverse world and there's no way to square that circle like yep. you're not going to like like allyship to me i hate to say it but it's kind of a silly concept because like you can't be an ally to a whole community like you're if you're friends with one gay person like that doesn't make you able to be an ally to the rest of the community you can just be a good friend to that one queer yep. person or that one pagan or that pagan group in your town or that like or, or the black people who live in your neighborhood like you know it's not one size fits all like human communities are much smaller than that uh -huh. um, and it's more localized cultures can like cut across like you know things that are shared but that doesn't necessarily mean you can be an ally and trying is just going to set you up to fail like I think <laughs> that we should teach like we should and this is what I'm trying to do more is teaching like like more about the skills of like being in the same room with people and having like and learning how to interact because then you can develop it more naturally and yes i have to put the like social justice academia coding yep. on the work that i do to like to like make it a little bit more palatable but ultimately my focus is more on like how do you do people things yeah and, and that's that's more the morality for me is like you said that the the family quote unquote the community comes first not the like big ideological Ooh, yeah i and i think that like i don't know any other way to say this but like i have a core value of people first like i said community first but like i have a core value of people first all of their messiness all of their like weird complexities whether they like sometimes students have a hard time understanding 
how I can be in, like they even sometimes are angry about it, how I can be friendly with maybe a faculty member or a staff member who's been like homophobic in the past. And I'm always like, because, you know, every day is not every day is a new day, but uh, one, I'm paid to be cordial and professional with them at all times as part of my paycheck. But two, I have a, a value of people first that like at any given day, any given moment could be someone's day that they get get it the the light switch goes on and they start seeing other people as equally human as them and so i never want to be the person who's like forcefully turning the light switch off because i really value human existence above all things <laughs> if i can protect humans even if they're not the greatest of humans for like reasons against other people or even reasons against themselves you know i always try to talk with students about uh especially if i'm doing history lessons uh, in my one class i always talk about like the undesirables of all social movements how uh, you know drug addicts were pushed out of the lgbtq movement pretty quickly or prison uh, uh folks who were uh in prison uh and they always are like i don't know why we're talking about this like i get it like we should be including all people and like no you don't get it because yes you think that now but watch yourself and you'll subtly start to define what is the good human and what is the bad human and uh if they have any bad categories in their identity even if they are someone that you're supposedly fighting for like you're fighting for x liberation you'll start pushing them out i'm like you know you need to value human i'm trying to teach people to value humans not value intellectual purity which is so frustrating people frustrate yeah me. i mean i think i um for me personally i think on a much smaller scale than you do in some ways, like mm -hmm. you're talking about, you know, value of human life. Yeah. And I agree with you, but I think there's a point at which it falls off into the esoteric for me. Mm -hmm. And like, like my focus is the people who are like immediately around me who I care about. And like, I want to be able to extend that, that courtesy, that care to yeah. others and when I can, I will. But like, you know, if the worst were to happen, you know, everything falls apart, whatever, I'm going to be like, I will feel sympathy for other people's pain. I will do what I can. But my focus is on my, my core group. And mm -hmm. that is what I need to do. And I try to be honest about like that. Like, I want to express care for as many people as I can. I have a limitation. There are points where that falls off. As long as I'm not trying to actively hurt people beyond that limit, I, I think I'm okay. Yeah. Honestly, that's what I wish most of <laughs> <laughs> most people would get to <laughs> I'd have a hard time even getting to that square but um thinking about values I guess one question I've always had well at least something that I always I don't want to say struggle with but I never I'm always very conscious about pushing my values on other people because I, I guess that is a value in itself as I do not like prophetizing. I'm very anti-prophetizing on anything, Ide ideologies, even when I'm doing like allyship, and I put that in heavy quotes, training, I try not to prophetize it of like, you need to be doing this. It's more of a, this is what, you know, this is a nice thing to do. And hopefully you do this and, you know, learn things and develop into your own personal sense. How do you talk about your values with other people with, in just in general? For me, I think it's just, I express my values. The things that I do are always mm -hmm. going to be, are always going to be imbued with the values that I have with the morality I value. Mm. Um, but what I don't, what I don't do to try to keep from prophetizing or coercing other people into it is I try to lay things out as like, this is an option. Mm. And people can choose mm -hmm. to take it or not. 
like this is the way that we I suggest people do things. This is the way that I do things. This is the way that that does. So if someone is inspired by it, someone likes it, someone wants to use it, they can. But I'm not saying that's the only way it has to be. Um, or, you know, that's the only method out there or mm. that it won't vary from person to person. Like it's always putting things out there for people to take if they want to take. Um, like it's kind of that value of it's like, if you don't do things my way, I'm not going to say you're going to hell or you're a bad person. I'm going to say, this is, this is what I value. Um, and if we disagree very strongly, then I may be like, I, I can't agree with you. So I don't see what productivity there is here, or there might be a heated exchange or something, but like, I may think that person is doing wrong. And I may even go so far as saying someone's a bad person, but I'm also going to acknowledge that like, I, I am not the universal arbiter of morality. Mm -hmm, this is mm -hmm. just in my own head. Um, and of course I'll act probably as such, but it's not like I'm going to say that these types of people are always going to be evil and these types of people are always going to be good like yeah. it's a little more nuanced than that although sometimes it is easy to fall into that dualistic thinking just because everything's so emotionally exhausting um but yeah it is it's a safety measure uh, some students do talk about that and even i talk about that like it feels bad to like not like this person or that person or i feel like i'm not holding up to my own moral compass or my own value system and i'm always in my mind i'm like because I immediately go into caretaking for <laughs> caretaking mode for them of like, no, 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 like their value systems, their moral compasses, they are not like, because even I, I have that initial gut reaction of like, oh, I'm a failure if I like don't live up to my own value method or value system. I think that's a lot of uh, what were what were you what would you call it? Uh, Christian trauma, Catholic yeah. trauma. Yeah, I would say that's accurate. <laughs> Where like immediately doing bad or immediately like failing, even if it's failing my system, not Catholic system, feels, I don't want to say world ending. Sometimes it does, depending on how emotionally exhausted I am, but it feels right. like bad. And I'm, I am I have to constantly like get myself out of like, it's not bad. These are ideals to live up to, which means they're not things we always achieve. They're just things we always strive towards so that if we're even just taking one step a day, at least it's always in the direction that we want to be going. And you have to <laughs> not to for <laughs> you have to forgive yourself, not in the, the way you were talking. about. <laughs> you have yeah. to forgive yourself sometimes. And I see uh, students, colleagues, and I have to remind myself that I see it in myself, although I don't like to reflect my own existence sometimes that, uh, yeah, it sometimes feels bad to do bad things, but that does not make you a bad person. Right. I agree. I, I call into that a lot. And yep. again, Catholic trauma, I, I also sort of sometimes still hold on to because of the OCD, like the fear of some sort of divine retribution mm -hmm. of sort of things. But then, you know, reminding myself that's not how my religion works because mm. like I think it is easier to have a much more open broad multiplicity of morality when you have gods that are do not exist in a state of purity mm. that are as 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 morally complex as as any human being um and act badly both mythologically and sometimes in person yes um and so you know it's a lot more you know, like you could argue that some gods are do bad things, but for the most part, I find it very difficult to call 
any one deity a bad person, quote unquote. Sometimes they have bad behaviors mm-hmm. and trying to apply that standard to other people and myself as well of like, nope, complexity. Even after thousands of years, some of these deities don't seem to have learned many lessons, which kind of puts paid to the lie of progress, you know? Yeah, that's very true, which I think we're kind of segueing into this of like how our faiths actually reinforce or teach us or help us explore our value system. And I, I very much agree with you. I think I have many of those experiences where I'm, I'm confronted with values or moral standings that I tried to hold literally in the experiences of doing spell work or doing um, doing deity work, which is always interesting because it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy of sorts. Like if you you know, because people always they always get those stories or every, anytime I tell someone that I'm pagan or a witch and they're not even near those and maybe even have a little bit of <laughs> their own Catholic fears and clutch their pearls. And ah, um, sometimes they always think about like, what, you know, do you hex people and do you curse people? And I always have to like take a step back and I'm like, in my worldview and in my value system, Curses don't work unless somebody deserves it, which kind of speaks to my moral or value system of like, you know, you can't really do those things of binding or hexing or cursing someone unless there is like the grounds for it to happen, which is for me a self-fulfilling prophecy of my value system has to let the magic actually happen. So I'm always kind of confronted with like, wow, I really am the arbiter of my own existence because what I have set out to be values and morals actually affects how my magic works sometimes. And if I try to even cheat around that like uh you know get me this job spell it'll crap itself out because my own moral system is like you know that's not how this game works and i'm always like yeah i know and i don't like that i have my own rules to follow right that's i think that's definitely true i think there is some inherent like doing some of this investigating and doing the like the work of like this these culturally specific magic things, I think brings along with it some of those ethos that the practitioners in the past had too. Mm-hmm. And so those things that are appropriate to the modern era really do survive into the work we do. Like that sort of respect and honor and reliability. Um, but also like the joy, the whimsy, the lack of duality, sometimes the utter chaos, like all of those things sort of just come along with it. It's true. It's true. I think chaos has become in a way, a value that I hold. I have tried to give my life structure in various ways. Not like I can make organization things and use a calendar, but chaos kind of creeps its way always back into my life, usually on my own hand. And at this point, it's kind of a value that I live by that life is chaos. And sometimes it produces beautiful things. Yeah, that's. And I hate my own rules again. Come back to that. Sometimes I hate my own rules because I have to follow them. And I'm like, I don't want to follow anyone else's rules, let alone my own. Uh, So that's kind of that's funny, which I think reflects again. It's reflected in the types uh, of deities that like I choose to work with. I love working with tricksters because they are people that are always trying to like break the rules, but in essence, get like trapped in their own rules which is like my yeah. <laughs> pattern of my life, trying to break someone else's rule and get stuck in my own. I mean, I'm the same way. Whether I like it or not, I always get stuck in the trickster trap. So 
that's where I'm at too. Chaos is in itself a value, like valuing chaos as not like a a panic situation, but rather as like the crucible of creation. Yep. Like chaos, like, like a, one of the best books I've ever read was Chaos, or not Chaos, uh, Tricksters Make the World. And like across uh, a world analysis of how like basically tricksters create how fate plays out for things tricksters create the most impressive things like for instance loki is the impetus for the greatest weapons and items of the aesir to be created Mm -hmm. or like all these these types of things so embracing that sort of chaos is the creative um and i value that too because we innovate we we don't try to reconstruct or stagnate we 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 move forward and innovate yeah things develop yeah, and I think there's, uh, I really value in that, like another big value, I guess I have is that innovation, this idea that we can see everything that has happened and study the past, but at some level, the future is always ours to create and nobody can tell you like, oh, it was done that way. So you have to do it that way. But also just to be able to rely on our own intuition. I think intuition is a big part of both my magic and my sense of value uh i'm very happy that in this stage of my life i don't do it all the time and that's still you know growth and learning and you know i always have there's always a journey to take um i am much more reliant on my intuition than i would have been i would have been uh you know if i had kind of stuck down the path before uh pagan really found its way back into my life um I definitely would have been a uh, you need to do it by the numbers. You know, you need a second and third opinion, a lot of things. And even like what I do now at work, you know, sometimes much to the chagrin of supervisors and not so much colleagues. I have a pretty good work colleague right now who kind of vibes on chaos and, uh, you know, riding by the seat of our pants. Uh, But (laughs) um, I don't always know what I'm doing, but I have a, a trust in the intuition that I'm doing the right thing because I know it'll just work out. It might not work out to the best, but something will work out and I'll feel good about it in the end. And if I don't, I'll fix it and we'll move on. Like, I'm not super worried about the like impending doom scenarios as much anymore. And I think that came a lot from being pagan and understanding that like things come in cycles and, you know, things will work out. And for every bad thing there is sometimes a good thing that follows it and you know even when bad things happen you're never stuck in the bad thing forever those things will end too like i I trust intuition a whole lot more and value it a whole lot more than i used to right that makes sense i mean would you argue even that like part of the uh, at least for for me i think like part of a pagan value system is also like the, the there's not except for maybe some areas of heathenism, there's not really an inherent apocalypticism, I guess. Like a a feeling of like everything will come to an end, like it's all cyclical. So it's like this thing will turn into this thing will turn into this thing. Like, (laughs) yeah, I can, I can even say that. So again, I don't speak for anything for everyone or everything, but even in like the various, if I'm looking at it from like an interfaith lens uh of all the students that i work with many of them coming from abrahamic faiths um usually the abrahamic faith folks have a little bit more impending doom (laughs) vibe to them about things in the world uh and then the polytheists because there are uh, surprisingly a number of hindu students that go to our university 
um, you know, have a little bit of impending doom. And I think that's especially with what we live, what are living through right now with impending climate change and rising fascism don't have as much of an impending doom of like world ending doom. They have an impending doom of like my personal world might end, like my physical life might end, but not too much worry beyond that. Have a better, have a, yeah, a much more uh, things will work out or, this cycle too will end and a new cycle will start and we take every opportunity to maybe try to influence it to be a better cycle than the last, but you know, things come and go as they wish. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I wish I could teach people that. Like I, I wish I, I wish everyone, you know, not to contradict my own value, but I wish everyone shared in that value of like things will come and go. Uh, I find that, if we're if we're thinking about how values impact people's lives, I more see the tension in my experience come about because one person has a apocalyptic impending doom, like survival instinct. And the other person has a, like things will work out. And that's where like a lot of conflict arises because one person just can't see the, the, not to be, uh, what do you call it? Uh, cliche, but they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I I also find that um, that I think a lot of disconnect I have in terms of my worldview, my value system, and others that I see when I'm at work because it's such an interfaith type of space. Oh yeah, is like the idea of um that multiplicity is is like to me inoffensive if sometimes annoying or <laughs> such but like i i always am a little bit surprised by how offensive it is that that multiplicity of truth is to um to other people yeah and i think that's quite interesting <laughs> um that it the that the contention of another truth is offensive rather than like the content of that truth. Yeah. Yeah, truly. Like people don't, uh, maybe this is just me, but you know, when confronted with another way of being, I, I guess I'm just like an, an internally curious person. I'm always like, Oh, what's that about? Try to learn a little bit about it. Maybe do my own research and decide like, oh, is this something I would like to adopt into my worldview? Because I I find that I have to value this or something I'm going to just leave and move on from. And a lot of people don't do that. Mm. We don't have like that innate curiosity. I mean, you know, going off onto like a possible speculation, make me seem <laughs> old blaming cell phones, of course, which is hear me out because I don't think that <laughs> online community is a bad thing. In fact, I no. think it's quite good. And I think being able to connect with people across distance is super awesome across like different places. That is awesome. I am not by no means doing that. I will say it. I think that one downside though, that mm -hmm. changes values like what you were mentioning with students is I think that also tends to make human beings a lot more abstract. Yeah. Like they're the contents of their thoughts rather than their whole being at that point. And not because someone's choosing that per se, but because that's how you, if that's how you're interacting with other human beings, like it's just the 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 nature of the beast. And I think it bleeds over into real life too. 
um, because real interactions are a lot harder. They're a lot less safe emotionally. Yep. Um, and it creates a sort of, it creates this, this difficulty in like multiplicity. And I'm not going to say I'm much better. I struggle with this as well. Yeah. Um, interesting thing to look at. No. And I, I, I see that all the time. Cause uh, if, if we're thinking, you know, work in colleges, work in DEI all the time. So I'm often confronted with students bringing up, you know, truly factually bad things, you know, a professor misgendering them or, a a thing happening. And I, I'm always surprised with like when problem solving, when thinking about like, all right, what can we do? What can the university do? They do replicate that kind of communication power uh, pattern. They want to be able to like say their piece and then leave, not say their piece. And then the other person is allowed to rebuttal. And even if they know they have like the, if we're putting it on a moral high ground, even though there is no more high ground, even if they know that they're probably going to come out the other side of it, fine. They still don't want to engage in the argument they don't want to <laughs> they don't want to do a protest that actually puts them in front of the other person they want to be able to say their piece and leave on both sides like they both just want to be able to say their piece and leave which is very online communication they want to drop a comment and then be able to wait six hours to angrily respond <laughs> instead of in live or in life uh, actually talking it out and wrestling with the moral or value implications and wrestling with their worldviews and the other person's worldviews and having conversation. I, it sounds cliche to say, but people struggle to have conversations. I find myself in spaces all the time of someone saying like, we don't know how to communicate anymore. And I always find it funny because the person usually saying we don't know how to communicate anymore is also a person that doesn't know how to communicate anymore. Right. <laughs> Which I think reflects that value of community above all else. I want to be in a space where like we're always in a chaotic kind of community state of people bringing forth new ideas and new ways of thinking and new moral implications and new value systems and always allowing the system or the community to organically like actually work through those and decide is that what we want is that what we don't want if we don't want it does that person go off and splinter into a new community or does that just kind of fall by the wayside until it maybe has stronger foundations or more time or more information behind it like i i, I want to live in a more organic organism but we're now in a very tech organism which we you it's funny as an engineer you think would make more sense but it doesn't it doesn't make sense yeah I mean, from a pagan take on that, it definitely, it definitely feels to me a lot like this, like the the feeling of of like connection, the traditional like community thing, is not as in place. Yep. Like it doesn't feel like it clicks correctly for me personally all the time. Like, thankfully, I'm one of those people who's privileged to have a um, an in-person community that does meet yeah. pretty regularly, and that clicks pretty well. But it it does, you know, it does feel like well, there's you know, there's so many. We know there's so many other people out there who would appreciate this. They just don't come, and it's hard to build our community like and build those connections and take care of each other we can do that within who we are we do it's great but it also feels like you know like there's this missing piece and we don't know where it went <laughs> where it is yeah 
I wonder if that's how every era of people like the problem changes. It's not they're not facing this of like loss of connection, but there's always a big problem for everyone to uh, to face. I wonder if that's just a universal thing. I would be kind of sad if it is a universal thing, but also, I guess. Yeah, hopeful in a way, because we all go through it. I don't know. I find hope in when we all kind of struggle through similar things. It's like, oh, OK, you know, I see you. Like we're doing this oh, together, even if I mean, it's hard. I'd say that's another pagan moral or another pagan value of like seeing the sacred in anything. You know, there's yeah. a sacred side to to anything, um, including like, for instance, like to me, it would never have come up as an issue. But when I was at work, I was doing a event with the Muslim Student Association, and uh, there was a nice picture with like Quranic verse on it that we put up for like the thing. And then I put it in the university marketing. And one of the marketing things is they put the, these like flyers into the stalls of bathrooms. Uh-huh. And like that caused a problem because you're not supposed to put like text from the Quran in a bathroom because it's unclean. Uh-huh. And from like a pagan perspective, I never would have thought that the bathroom would be unclean of, outside of like a literal sense, because I'm yes. like, well, even the bathroom has its sacred yes it does like like that sort of thing so like these struggles have sacredness and like our gods adapt to the world around us like like you know i am almost certain that like odin and loki are involved in the internet somehow like they that type of thing yes you know, exchange of information also pornography like there's there's a great chance loki's involved in the internet somehow <laughs> i'm just imagining loki surfing the web now that's like in the era i don't know if our younger listeners won't get this but that's like in the era of all of a sudden um loki would have been the kid who uh purchased the pay-per-view that shows up on the bill for their parents yeah (laughs) what's this like (laughs) uh i can't even think of a funny porn name off the top of my head but what's this like insert funny porn name uh pay-per-view video oh loki yeah what it was i was curious (laughs) lucky would find themselves on the bad side of the internet too yeah (laughs) um i I did have another question what was my other question i guess uh we i I, well i think we brushed it a little bit but maybe not directly how does uh your a moral or value system impact how you actually like do the tangible pagan stuff so when you do ritual or when you do magic or when you do divination like how do your morals and values show up there colin i mean so for me it's like there's there's an etiquette to it that's like my mm. values of like hospitality and and that sort of and and frith like the community value and stuff is like for me it's like you go into this as like in a in a way of respect, in a way of approaching people who are a part of your community, even if they aren't like human. Um, and then you make sure that you are treating it with the dignity it deserves, even if it's like friendly and and not super like structured or mm-hmm. formal. Um, and then also you like for me, it's also you leave offerings. Like you're asking someone to do something, or you're asking for someone's time. You share yeah. stuff. With so that is that is kind of 
how it impacts because I always make sure that that happens. I get really uncomfortable in like other people's rituals if there's not really specific like offering made. Yeah, I get very uncomfortable with that. Um, or if it's like uh, not being treated with gravity, like it can still be funny and farcical, but it it needs to be treated with like gravity because you are interacting with another set of beings. It's not just like a performance for you. If it's like a ritual that involves deities or spirits or something, yeah, it can be. Just, it can be just for you, but if, but but like keep it for you if that's what's going to happen. Like, don't invite other people without or other beings without like do gravitas, do dignity. Yeah, yeah. I I always yeah. I never thought. Well, I guess because it's you know values sometimes becomes invisible in our own lives because they're just a part of us yeah consent's a really big thing whenever even when we were like doing circle or things from spiral or things hopefully in future spell group it was always based on consent like there was never other structure like yeah there was some formal like if you want to do this type of ritual here's like someone who wrote it down and so you can replicate it if you'd like but you can also do it your own damn way however you want but it always relied on the hospitality thing or the consent thing or a just yeah that reverence and respect so like it weaves itself in everything down to like even how um how we behave how at least for me how i participate with other people it's always, you know, asking people if they're comfortable and okay, like going over the ritual kind of before and being like, this is how it's going. And is everyone okay with this? If you want a speaking role, here are speaking roles. If you don't want a speaking role, you don't want a speaking role. And even if we like, you know, we put some educational things on it for when we did it with students. Um, but it was still always a, you know, do it your way. I'm just going to push you into this uncomfortable space so you can learn, but there's always a consent out or a consent component, even if um, we're like, quote unquote, requiring you to do this in this moment. Uh, and so I, I didn't, well, I guess I kind of knew, but uh, you saying all those things, I was like, yeah, we do all those things. <laughs> it's so important. It's just, I think of it as a common human decency, but then that's, that's, that's my worldview is that it's common human decency in my worldview. Um, maybe it's not for others, but <laughs> It's an important yeah. part. It does make the ritual uncomfortable when someone like does it weird. I think I was telling you about a time in a, another group uh, that we were in for not more than like a month of like calling corners and then someone calls north but calls a north wind deity and everyone's just like, um, this feels like none of us consented for this thing to be called here. Right. Yeah. And even it kind of extends to especially being a magical practitioner on colonized land as, you know, a in, a person who has history or has uh, ancestry of colonizers in it. It even extends there of like being very careful about working with a land that you don't have heritage or ancestry on or like at least long term ancestry or heritage on and being ever mindful i don't know I, maybe that's for me a really deep value is i always try to be mindful of the place i'm in both as like that was a boy scout thing you know you carry in everything and you carry out everything you try to leave everything the way it was uh before you got there but that kind of also extends to like my magical practice so if you try to leave even the magical spaces as good or better than when you got there as a, a token of gratitude you never leave a mark if you can help it 
beyond just living that value comes to with like the idea of once again um being aware of like your community and Mm -hmm. that includes like things that are not human other beings too and not trying to like absorb things that aren't yours into yours by their presence i think that's an important um thing um acknowledgement like honoring like uh, for instance for the right we're gonna do here we have taken to uh, under my insistence reading a land acknowledgement before all rituals and things nice. um but also like we know that there are things that have lived on this land non-human entities that have lived on this land since time immemorial we don't know them we don't really work with them but like offering tobacco sometimes is not a bad thing we just don't go any further than that and, yeah. and so like understanding who is and isn't part of your community immediately um is another consent-based thing i think definitely i even think it so that's like a lot about ritual even shows up uh again when i'm doing like spell work you know in divination i don't do divination on other people unless they are fully consenting in the process You know, you don't do tarot readings for other people unless they ask for it or unless they are a part of the reading itself. (laughs) All those types of things, because also the reading probably would go wrong. You don't do spells about other people. You know, everyone always asks, like, are love spells a thing? It's like, yes, but not in the way you're thinking about them. It's not love potion, make person fall in love with you. It's love potion, make yourself more desirable and the chance that that person would see you as more desirable but never in a lie it's always just like enhancing yeah. the things about you to make them bigger yeah. more I mean, confidence like nine, yeah i was gonna say 90% of love spells is just magic to make you feel more confident yep make you feel more yeah exactly it's make you feel more confident make you feel more beautiful make you feel more sexy like whatever it is but it's always enhance you it's even right. even i say like when people ask me like are there hexes or are curses real uh for me in my practice curses you know and hexes are real but they usually are about me and creating impenetrable barrier that like if someone were to try to do something malicious to me it's just going to bounce right back and then hurt them and that is the curse the, the curses they'll never see me again because I am important. Right. <laughs> I am magical. Right. I mean, I, I like I do believe in th- there are curses that and hexes that like work negatively on other people with or without their consent. Like, for instance, like, but most of those are formulaic and culturally specific. Yeah. And like the I don't see the value in them in the way mm-hmm. that I operate. Like it takes a lot of time, energy, and very specific ways of doing things that I just I have no interest in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like shows and there are other traditions that do other things, but yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, in essence, uh kind of uh I don't really to sum it up, but you know, morals and values are what you make. Isn't that what all our episodes somehow get to? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, I think been here all three seasons. <laughs> like respecting other people's prosperity in a non-competitive way, I think is yeah. a big part of the, is a big part of the modern pagan community outlook. Versus, like yeah. these more traditional magic things, at least in like Europe, are mostly like robbing other people's luck or robbing other people's prosperity or like fucking with that sort of thing or mm. giving them an illness. And it's like very specific to like that type of way which in a way is not how we work because we don't 
we don't we don't draw our prosperity the same way yeah um, yeah I we have a lot more a to do with it i can't speak to like afro-caribbean and, and indigenous traditions and whatnot because i know there are things that exist there but like from a european folklore perspective like yes i could bury an egg in your garden or a piece of meat to like make your prosperity wither or like steal your prosperity but there's no guarantees that would work because you don't draw your prosperity from your garden or your land or yeah. whatever so I, I suppose i could like try to hide an egg in your desk or something and let it rot or like a piece of meat in your desk and let it rot but like you notice well that's an idea tech egg uh <laughs> i mean quite literally viruses are uh that spell now hiding a yeah. rotten egg in, in their way. computer yeah <laughs> but... it comes back the rotten egg eggs so yeah i mean i don't see the value in that it it doesn't keep frith in my mind. That's true. And I think, yeah, we're very much in a more modern sense. Like we don't have a, there's limited amount. Like, I mean, even then you could argue, I hate scarcity models. I think most of them are a lie anyway. Um, but, you know, we don't have scarcity in the same way anymore. Honestly, we don't really have, we have fabricated scarcity because capitalism is evil. Uh, but we don't have scarcity in the sense that we need that stuff anymore. And I, I think that's a, a little bit of a modern take. I, I don't think our pagan yeah. ancestors would be like, wait, what? You don't bury eggs anymore? What? You... Yeah. <laughs> We've come to a point where we can feed everyone, theoretically. Like, yeah, technically, we have gotten to that point where we can all live decently in harmony with all of our multi, uh, all of our diverse worldviews and values and be fairly okay. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> so moral of the story, find yourself what your morals are and live Absolutely. with them. But also recognize too that there may be disconnects between your morals and the morals of other people that you work with. Yeah. Or in practice, like deities or spirits or fairies or whatever that you work with may have a very different, like the, the good people have a very specific sets of how morality and like etiquette work yep and they not line up with your own and they may have a problem with that i'd <laughs> even go i would even go far as to say sometimes your own morals and own values won't match up with your own life <laughs> that's also true and that's like a good impetus to sit and reflect a like you know when things don't line up it's a good time to reflect on why and maybe make a life change or a life uh, alteration and at the same time chaos nothing ever works the way you expect it to and you'll find yourself doing things that are against excuse me against your own moral compass and you'll see yourself you ask yourself why and half the time you'll answer the answer is capitalism and you need money in order to survive yeah <laughs> capitalism yes indeed so any final thoughts before we wrap this up no i don't really have any final thoughts uh, i i yeah. Definitely some things I think I'm going to think more deeply about as I move into possible advisorship of this uh, new student organization, well, returning student organization, but new to me, student organization around morals and how I go about teaching. Not so much changing what we did, but maybe even being more thoughtful. I have more years under my belt. Like, how am I going to approach that being now a person that they are going to look up to and expect lessons from again? What about you? Final thoughts? I think, yeah, trying to be a little bit more aware of what values and things I bring to the community here. 
um, what things I insist on and what things I don't, um, <laughs> what can, what matches, what compromises need to be made, just trying to be really clear about how I see those. Yeah. Um, and I'm also a little bit jealous. I think it'll be cool for you to be back in that mentor role again. It was a good experience to have the first time around. Hey, that means uh, you virtually will probably <laughs> come to things. That's true. <laughs> don't think you're getting out of this if i'm pulled into stuff that means by default not with your consent obviously you're pulled into things too well okay that's fair yeah no i i i'm happily pulled into things that's fine (laughs) Uh, a little less frequently since we don't live as close but uh, maybe some virtual things again you have the more anthropological uh mythological uh framework of stuff and that is not my necessary area of expertise so when they have questions about myths and legends i'm gonna be like uh uh let me phone a friend yeah i mean i'm always pleased to do that sort of thing (laughs) uh yeah that's all that's all i got on this uh this our no yeah november wow we're coming up on we're coming up on our season three finale i know it's wild I know I did. I made that LinkedIn post where I was like, yeah, wow. I've actually been doing this for three seasons. And uh, wow, this is a thing that has like been a part of my life for a long time now. Substantial part of my life. (laughs) Yeah, we've been doing this for a while now. Yeah, I still brings us joy. Always brings me joy. I can't speak for you. It brings me joy. Absolutely. (laughs) I didn't want to assume that'd be awkward. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so season three finale comes up for the month of November, and then we're off uh, for December and January beyond potential uh, high holiday episodes here and there. I made mention of it when I did solo high holidays, but I, I think to re- retell uh, you all on who maybe only listen to main episodes, but I guess if you only listen to main episodes, this doesn't apply to you. High holidays won't be necessarily going away, but I think they're going to change up a little bit and maybe be a little less frequent as we've now done of those almost three years as well of high holidays. Yeah. And there's only so much to talk about every high holiday, especially when we do now consistent things every high holiday. Right. I think, I think, you know, you'll probably get some more like participatory formats, guided meditations, those types of things. Yes. So, but we're coming up, uh, I think we'll finish off, well, that one's the new year, so technically we finished off a wheel uh, with Maybon, the guided meditation of Maybon, but uh, we will be then be back in February for the season four premiere. No idea what season four is going to hold, but we'll figure that out. Yes, we will. So in that case, I will say slan. And I will say Dozudanya. And you can follow us on these on the social medias. Again, not super free good at posting, but you know, we can live in your follows. That'd be nice. Uh Crone's Porch on most platforms except Facebook, where we're singular Crone Porch. Or you can email us cronesporch at gmail.com if you ever have questions. You want to yell at us. I'd even take criticisms at this point. Angrily email us. Bring it on. I challenge the internet. <laughs> absolutely but we'll see you next time or hear you next time yep porch